What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. So, hey, everybody, welcome back to Screen Heroes. This is episode 198. Screen Heroes is, of course, the TV and film podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am Derek, your regular host, and I have my other two lovely hosts with me, Ryan. Hi. And Ray. Hi. And we are here this week to talk to you about the live action Sin City film on its 15th anniversary based off of the graphic novel of course but before we well do... the many graphic novels it's not just one graphic novel that's true yes uh, but before we do that we will go ahead and talk some news uh first things first let's talk amc what's going on in the world of movie theaters okay so from what i get AMC has spent like the last 10 years buying up theater chains and has run their credit into the ground. And because of that, they might not be considered trustworthy enough to get a bailout from this whole thing. So they might completely go under, which is pretty horrible for Kansas City. Like that's thousands of jobs right then and there with corporate and we also have what i think eight locations between the the two states so it's not great no no it's not uh they're huge uh you know they're owned by the largest theater chain in the world internationally largest in the u.s uh yeah it, it would certainly be bad news i don't even know what would happen to all of those massive buildings because I don't think there's enough other chains to buy them up. Yeah, so so to the, to be more specific about exactly how bad it is, they were they were a B. Um, they've been downgraded from a B to a CCC minus, which I didn't know was a thing. Uh, and which the definition of that uh, is default imminent with little prospect of recovery. Whew. Uh, so yeah, they, it says they reported a $5 billion plus deficit in 2019 and losses of 149 million for the year. In the, in the year that Endgame happened. Right. And and the rise of Skywalker. Right. Just want to be clear. Okay. And and Joker for that matter. Yes. Uh, and obviously movie theaters are pretty heavily hit this summer or this spring and going into the summer, probably going to continue and yeah, it's going to devastate our area, but I mean, it's basically, I think, the biggest theater chain in the country. Yeah, it is. Uh, they, they are the largest theater chain in the country, um, which, which makes it that much worse, because then you have to wonder, well, how, how are other companies faring? How Cinemark and Regal, for example? Um, you know, we used to have a Phoenix Theater, but that was bought by AMC, and then there was Cinetopia, which was bought by AMC. Um, and so I'd be curious to know how well some of these other chains are doing we also have bnb around here i don't know how far yes. they go out but uh you know yeah no they're a national chain yeah. you know and alamo draft house is a national chain as well but significantly smaller um you know they aren't they like three theaters or something so no 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 they, they definitely have more than that but i don't think they have more than one in any given city metro i, I thought it was just one in texas and one here basically <laughs> no okay no, they, they have a lot more than that but uh they're certainly not 
you know, eight in a city like AMC is. Um, so that's it's a shame. It's bad news. Uh, it will certainly limit where you'll be able to go and and the options that you have. I'm sure that the A-list thing didn't help them out as much as they had hoped. And we all saw how well MoviePass fared. So The article does say the most realistic probability would be that its competition Regal Cinemas could purchase AMC theaters and just convert them to their own. Yeah. So, I mean, that that would be a very large purchase, of course. Um, but I guess I'd but rather... in the era where Disney buys Fox, uh, you know, large as, purchases are an everyday thing. As long as it's not Disney buying AMC, that's what I don't want to see. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that would be vetoed, right? Because that would that would be a huge monopoly over the entertainment industry, more so than they are even now. I agree with you, but I also thought <laughs> that their acquisition of 20th Century Fox would be considered a monopoly as well, and I was wrong. So I don't know what the rules are anymore. Are right. No so, uh, yeah, Regal swooping in and picking them up would be the most likely situation if for some reason uh, they aren't able to scramble and pull together here. But as far as businesses goes, uh, the bank could take it over and completely sell it apart location by location or to completely different businesses. Some of these buildings are really in prime locations in the Kansas City area. I can imagine that's the same for uh, the whole United States and uh, other businesses may want that property. Or we could see something like um, amphitheaters that get sponsored. You know, other companies that are in different parts of the media just take over the theaters. Like it's, you know, Verizon's AMC was the um, example I gave earlier. But that's also usually just naming rights, like Derek pointed out. It's not usually ownership of the amphitheater. So all kinds of crazy stuff. But yeah, the last thing we want is studios buying up theaters. Mm -hmm. All right. So moving on then, uh, in streaming news, a brand new streaming service released and premiered this week, actually today, as we're recording this on Tuesday. And it's called, what, what did you say it was? Kibi? <laughs> Quibi. Quibi. It's, it's Quibi. Quibi. Um, so I decided to sign up for it and check it out. You can get 90 days for free. So I figured, why not? Um, there's been lots of commercials for it. They've got a lot of uh, high profile actors involved in their shows. Uh, the kind of the kind of gimmick for this is that these are designed specifically for smartphones. There's an iOS app and there's an Android app. That's how you watch them. And you can watch them both in portrait mode or landscape, and they look different depending on how you view them. They actually kind of are edited slightly differently for those different viewpoints. Uh, so I checked out three different shows. Um, oh, and all episodes are 10 minutes or less. So they're, they're meant to be bite-sized uh, kind of easily bingeable things. So I checked out three different shows. Uh, the first one that came across my list of, of things to choose from was Chrissy's Court, which is Chrissy Teigen uh, playing a celebrity judge court show. Uh, her husband showed up for a little bit in it. Their kid was in the back. It was cute, I guess. Very silly and kind of, I, I don't know, like they talk about how it's real, but I, I it was really strange. Um, I also checked out Will Arnett's show, which is called Memory Hole. Uh, it's kind of like a, um, what was like the, uh, remember those shows on TV that were like a recap of a decade? Oh yeah, the I Love the 80s. Yeah. And, yeah, I gotcha. So, so it's like that, but for things that most of us have kind of forgotten about. So okay. the, the first episode was about um, football themed raps and dances and songs starting with like the super bowl shuffle which was right. the, the chicago bears uh and that was the whole episode again it's like seven minutes uh it was fine will arnett was fine he sings at the end playing a character uh and then the third and final show which was actually the most promising thing that i saw on there is the most dangerous game which stars liam hemsworth and christoph waltz and I watched uh, two episodes of that, actually. And that's pretty good. The production quality is fairly high. The, the performances have been pretty solid. And so I'll probably keep checking that out, at least while it's free. Okay. okay. <laughs> Do you guys have any thoughts on 
on the on the new service. <sighs> I can see its value for things like bus rides and stuff like that, but honestly, I'm not quite sure it is going to last. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be curious to know what these shows cost to produce, given the casts that are involved. Um, you know, they're, they're so short. An entire season is like a movie, I guess. Um, so I'll be kind of curious to see how that shakes out. I watched my stuff over lunch today because uh, they're short enough to do that. I mean, I watched four total episodes, which resulted in like a half an hour of content. So thought it was relevant as a new streaming service. So, like they're pulling good talent. So, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. not it, cheap talent either. So, I'm right. wondering how long they can do that. Well, I mean, that's how you you got to do it is show that you have some big names behind this, and it's not uh, just a couple of lucky gets. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there um, that just really isn't for me. I think yeah. is is part of it. There's a lot of uh, like LeBron James has a show called I Promise. It's a documentary that's out there that people may or may not be interested in, just as, as an example. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of sports stuff. There's a lot of, uh, there's some animal and food content, you know, things like that. That I mean, J-Lo's got a thing on here called Thanks a Million, human interest type sure. thing. So there you go. But check it out, I guess, if you want. It's free for three months so you got nothing to lose all right what else do we have any other news that we want to cover today well i know derek didn't but ryan did you watch onward this weekend i did yeah yeah how'd you like it did you watch it no i have not watched it yet uh, i i liked it i mean it was yeah. uh you know Pix I, i'm not the biggest pixar fan but right um, i do enjoy some of their stuff and I mean, it was good. It was uh, enjoyable. It wasn't like top tier Pixar for me, but certainly, okay. uh, you know, I like Dungeons and Dragons and it's all kind of based around uh, one of the characters love for a similar game in a world where it's more of a historical game than a um, fantasy game. So uh, that's yeah. cute. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you guys would really like it. I don't think you'll put it in the upper echelon of Pixar movies either, but um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And the fact that it's very recent to the theater's movie on Disney Plus was, I'd be curious their streaming numbers on it. Okay, cool. Good to know. All right. Well, then uh, this is where we will take our little break here. And when we come back, we'll be talking about Sin City on its 15th anniversary. Recently on the Heroes Podcast Network, Echo Station. Well, what's the main think... what's the main planet that Endor the forest moon of Endor? It's a moon, so it's there's a major planet, obviously that it is the forest moon of Endor. Is Endor the actual planet then? See, th isn't that confusing? <laughs> yes. Is it the forest moon of the planet Endor, or is it the forest moon called Endor? Kaiju Curry House. Because I'm just wondering, are Pokemon Kaiju? They are pocket monsters. They are pocket monsters, Paul. They're, pocket, they're monsters, yeah, aren't they? They're, they're um, just, they're, they are yokai, officially. <laughs> yokai. Yeah, so, um... What's like... a yokai? Red shirts and runabouts. Something we've talked about before, and other people have, but there's, there's so much of real-life history involved with Star Trek. From Gene Roddenberry's days, his time in the military as, a, as on, on a bomber pilot, as a bomber crewman, you know, James Doohan serving... All these people and all these real life events that have impacted things, that's very realistic of political and military leaders kind of resigning in protest at a decision they can't control. Subscribe today at heroespodcast.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, and more. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome back. So let's do this. Let's talk Sin City. Uh, Sin City, of course, released in 2005, <laughs> which is why we're celebrating 15 years. It released actually on April 1st. 2005 so earlier uh, about a, a week ago i had a budget of 40 million dollars opening weekend pulled in just over 29 million with its total domestic gross just over 74 bringing its worldwide gross to over 158 and a half million uh which is not super impressive though significantly better than its sequel a dame to kill for do you guys remember when we watched movies in theaters what was that like? I, I mean... It wasn't that long ago. What was the last movie we saw? Birds of Prey? That's yeah. the last one I saw. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, Sin City. A uh, huge cast, of course, in Sin City. Um, and incredible cinematography. I mean, that's, I guess, as good a place as any to start. It's my favorite looking movie of all time. Oh, uh, wow. Story and everything aside, just the, the actual way it's, it looks is incredible and i wish that there was more of that it's probably why i enjoy the second one as much as i do because it, i just think it's gorgeous um specifically the the way color is used you know i'm, I'm a color i'm colorblind uh and so i i like seeing things that use really high contrast or use color in very purposeful ways and sin city surely does that lots mm-hmm. of grayscale black and white with small pops of color with um, a specific object or a specific character um, or even a part of a character just to highlight a, a trait and uh, it's easy for me to see and, and enjoy what what about you guys what are your thoughts on the visuals it was good I mean I, I th- this is my first time watching it it's worth mentioning so um, you know it was all new to me I thought that, it, that I did like the contrast on the occasional you know, important object or whatever, or important person or important feature. But uh, in some parts, the black and white got a little too busy for me. It was hard to follow what was going on. The scene with Marv in the rain would be, would have been really cool, but like it was really hard to tell what was going on a lot of the time because the rain was so heavy. Um, but I mean, it, it was a cool concept for sure. I don't think that it's cool enough to carry multiple movies which is probably why the second one didn't do very well. I haven't seen the second one, so maybe it was great and it just was missed out on. But, um, you know, it's a cool, like, one-time concept, but I don't feel like I need to see a lot of movies done this way. Yeah, two, two is fine. I don't think two is bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's not as good as the first one. I just think, to your point, I think a lot of people probably just skipped it because – they had already seen something that looked like this and that was unique for the first film. And a lot of time passed between the two. People probably just weren't geared up for it. Uh, Ray, what about you? Um, well, I guess that kind of makes me the Sin City expert on the podcast. Uh, so this film became one of my favorite films almost immediately. I, I went to go see it in theaters. Um, the style of it is the exact style of the comics. There's very few things that change from page to film. It's probably one of the best visual adaptations from source material. Um, even the actors look very similar to their comic counterparts they did a good job with you know mickey rourke's facial prosthetics and nick stoll's facial prosthetics but i do agree that like i i wouldn't want to watch a ton of these movies i'm both disappointed but not surprised that it didn't get a full franchise even though there's you know I, I think eight or nine graphic novels out there, but you know, I, I totally get why they didn't do a ton of them. 
And I, I suppose, I mean, it's 15 years old, but might as well throw the spoiler warning out there since we'll be talking about the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, I think it's an interesting point because you're right. There's a ton of content that they could use, but you know, it's not the easiest movie to watch, I suppose, for a lot of people. I love it. I think it's incredible. It's one of my favorite movies, but I could understand why people wouldn't like it or wouldn't want to see a lot of it in this universe. You know, it's maybe similar to like Blade Runner, for example. I think Blade Runner is a gorgeous uh, film and 2049 even more so, but I understand why it doesn't become a blockbuster universe that people just clamor for i get the it. rewatch on blade runner is fairly difficult it's not one that you can sit down and watch every night like you it's not it's something that sticks with you or it bores you so it's just I, and i feel like sin city has a similar effect you know i don't want to watch sin city every day but maybe i could go back to watching it once a year it has some heavy stuff in it, you know? I mean, even if the the sexual themes don't bother you, there's a ton of violence and uncomfortable situations and um, it's very gritty. And even though it, it has this comic booky layer on top of it that hides a lot of the, the gore, there's still a lot in there that's that's pretty gross at times and, and visceral even. And so, you know, it's not a feel-good movie by by any stretch. Right. Uh, so Ryan, I'm curious. So since this was your first viewing, why have you not seen it prior to this? Was there any particular reason? No, there was no particular reason. It's just one that uh, kind of slipped under my radar. I mean, it came out right in the time when I was really getting into the movies like this, um, you know, and starting to really get heavy into the pop culture uh, uh, stuff. And I, I, I think what, when did Watchmen come out? Was it around this time? Year oh before, boy. year after. Yeah, I mean, it was a similar, it was a similar era, I think. I thought Watchmen was like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Was it? Yeah. Oh no, two thousand nine. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I think three hundred came out around this time. Maybe that's what it was. Around, I mean, there was this was. Uh, Both very know. stylistic. Everybody in my family went and saw it, and I just never saw it. I don't know what was going on, but uh, I got to be honest with you guys, I didn't really like it. So, okay. uh, you know, I'll guess I'll be the voice of uh, crapping on it or whatever. I get maybe <laughs> maybe I'm too much of a simpleton to pick up on the bigger themes or whatever. But yeah, it just was not for me. It lost me right in the very beginning. I powered through it, and there were things I ended up liking about it, but overall, I wouldn't watch it again. Well, I, I don't, I certainly don't want anyone to think that there's like a deep message here in there this There absolutely movie. is not. It's an <laughs> ode to noir. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's gritty and sad to be gritty and sad. You know, I just think it's beautiful in the process. Um, and I think that the cast really sells it for me personally. So I guess like maybe we'll start positive and, and go negative then. So Ryan, what were some of the things that you did like or you did enjoy? Um, I mean the. Hmm. Okay, what was your <laughs> favorite little vignette? I My guess favorite vignette probably Marv. Yeah. Um, I was pretty impressed by this pro- by the prosthetics work on him, and that's where a lot of my focus was. Um, but you know, the way they told the story, I thought was interesting. Um, you know, and he's, I, I like big dumb characters sometimes. So, uh, you know, he wasn't as dumb as, as they wanted, or as they portrayed him to be, obviously the things he was figuring out were not stupid. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that was probably my favorite of the stories. Ray, what's your favorite? Oh boy. So, uh, Marv's story is, uh, called, um, the, the hard goodbye. And I think my favorite was probably the one with Clive Owen and, uh, Rosario Dawson, which is called the big fat kill. 
that one was a t- it was a tough for me to decide between the two of them because that one there was some great stuff in that one i really liked the like city or like mm-hmm. know, it was a full city of women or whatever but the, the yeah old the, town yeah the women were really cool and that was a neat i would have liked to have seen more with like that whole side and leave out the guys yeah uh, but yeah i agree so I, I agree with you ray that's my favorite one as well and i do think it's i think it's more interesting because i you know marv is a cool character and i like and i like him you know but most of that story is really just him either getting his ass kicked or kicking somebody's ass there's not a whole lot else to it and hardigan's storyline bruce willis's storyline uh while there's some really cool things about it particularly early on it does get kind of weird uh at, at points in the end that are a little uncomfortable and i'm not you know (laughs) (laughs) um i i gotta agree so this i probably haven't watched this movie in like five six years and my life has changed i went through kind of a hell of a situation and i just don't watch this kind of stuff very often and i don't think i'm gonna go back to it anytime soon i'm not saying there were like triggers in here for me but there was a lot more about it that made me uncomfortable i guess i just didn't see or i i just put a pass on it in 2005 but there the amount of misogyny was so high up and the amount of guys just hitting women so high up i i was kind of it's taken to be fair, there that. was a lot of women hitting guys too. Yeah, like there's no, you're more totally nutshots right. per capita in this movie than like <laughs> many other films all combined. But yes, you're right. There was and there was there was a lot of misogyny in it, and, and that was something. Is this was my first viewing that really stood out to me? So yeah. Well, because even Marv, who's supposed to be the I don't hit women guy, still knocks Wendy out cold. Yeah. Now he thinks he's protecting her. That doesn't make it okay, right? <laughs> but, but even he does, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, I guess I no. guess Artigan doesn't. Wendy, but. Gail, Nancy, and oh, oh, Brittany Murphy's character—they all get knocked around pretty intensely. So, yeah, that's yeah, no, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, what I, what I was talking about with the Hardigan story, of course, is the relationship between him and Nancy and the fact that... Very uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, you know, she's very much a child when they first meet, and they don't see each other again for eight years. And, you know, you, the age gap is problematic on its own, uh, let alone when you bring in the actual aspects of their relationship and, and why they know each other. It gets super strange. And... um you know, I think it had been a while since I had seen it too. And I don't think I thought about it as much when I was younger, mainly because it's Jessica Alba and she's a few years older than me and I've always found her attractive. So I didn't think about it, but it's a weird plot thread for sure. Yeah. Um, Going so- back to it, I'm, I'm always more impressed about the small stuff in the background, the things that you spot later on, like Nick Offerman is a bleach blonde thug named Schlub. And he was not famous at the time. He did very little stuff back in 2005. And, you know, now he gets constant work. He's in movies and TV. And he is so seeing him get knocked unconscious twice is kind of funny, you know, not because that's funny, but because it's just not what you expect. And, you know, um, the the credits are really interesting. Robert Rodriguez credited himself as cutting the movie. He credited Frank Miller as the main director and him as the side director. Special guest director was Tarantino, who did the uh, tar pits with the dinosaurs and the Irish uh, mercenaries. And uh, he was the mercenary hanging upside down. You couldn't really tell because he was wearing a ton of makeup. Uh, Frank Miller was the priest that got his brains blown out at that really cool scene with Marv. I loved it when he just said, worth dying o- over, worth killing over, worth 
going to jail for you know that was great um the scene at the very beginning with Josh Hartnett and Marley Shelton was shot in Robert Rodriguez's house to prove to the studio that he could do this. It was shot in like two or three hours and he selected them because they were just the closest in vicinity. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's just fun stories behind it that you don't get from a lot of other movies. And I, Robert Rodriguez is, such a weird director because he only does what he wants <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it's crazy until you look at his body of work where it's like sin city from dusk till dawn and you know shark boy and lava girl <laughs> well you know he knows what he likes and sure sure um i haven't seen shark boy and lava girl so i i can't really say how that went but didn't he do one of those movies with quentin tarantino where like the death proof and whatever the other one was yes he, he did one? planet terror planet terror that's right tarantino did death proof yeah i knew tarantino did death proof because that is yeah. unmistakably tarantino but <laughs> yeah there's a lot of feet and a lot of dialogue, dialogue. <laughs> yep. it's actually I, I think that's the only tarantino movie i haven't seen that's left on my list what death proof oh. really man we gotta I, I review just, that i missed it it was like kind of like with you and sin city i just missed it yeah so. we're gonna do a whole planet terror death proof now i hope so because <laughs> yeah. i like those movies i'm adding it to the list good so um okay so we we talked about our our favorite um vignette what what about your least favorite which one did you like the least i mean i love bruce willis hardigan is such a great and honorable character and i feel like bruce willis is in his element in a noir over the top cheese setting yeah. but i hate everything else around it i really do i I cannot stand stories about pedophiles. And even though Nick Stahl, of course, is a fantastic actor, that just is very unpleasant for me. And the the idea that, you know, this 11-year-old girl would grow up to be in love with this. They say he's like 65, that he's like old and enough to be like her granddad. Yeah. At most. Yeah. Well, because like he, the idea was he was supposed to be retiring right when when it all goes down and so even if he was 50 when he was retiring he'd be at least 58 then by the time he gets out of prison they just don't really age him up very much and no that's very apparent when he is completely naked hanging by his neck and swinging back and forth and he's got this like wonderful ripped sculpted bod and i'm like no 60 year old looks like that I don't know. I'm sure there's some these days, but oh, it's, like those, it's like those old Bowflex commercials where it has like a super old guy head on like a 20 year old body. Right? It looks they weird. totally just photoshopped that yeah. shit. It looks so creepy. Weird modern Frankenstein monsters. Yeah, I mean, that would probably be, I think that's going to be all three of our least favorites for the reasons that we've already talked about for the most part. Okay. I just wanted to check. I think, um, I think you guys are, are are right. I mean, I think Bruce Willis is really solid as that character, but it's really the only positive aspect to that story. Stahl's character, when he change gets all changed, you know, in the future timeline, he's like yellow or whatever, and that yellow bastard. Yeah, I, that's the name of this whole segment. Right. I I don't know. That always was. I th- I felt like it was a little too much. What for do you think else. he smells like? Because they keep. Like, Hardigan keeps commenting on how the smell is just worse and worse. And, like, like garbage, like, feces. Like, what do you guys think it smells like? I always kind of thought it was like a chemical plant kind of smell. Ooh. Right? Gross. Because, like, smog and stuff? And not sm- like, not chemical? Like, chemical waste. Ugh, you know, okay. because because it's supposed to be from all of like the medical experiments that they did on him to try and bring him back to being quote normal or whatever. And so I just imagine he's been pumped with crazy chemicals that are probably all illegal and, you know, his skin, like to be that color, I, I don't even know what that would have to be. But that's kind of the only part of the movie that takes me out of the movie is the way he looks. It's too, it seems like it's just a little too fantastical for everything else that's going on. 
Is that just me? No, no. Um, I was going to say something. Uh, <laughs> hypothetically, if somebody shot your dicks off, would you go through all this? And like, is it worth it to have a dick again to look like that? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I'm going to say probably not. They make fake ones, so. <laughs> right? John Bobbitt can get his life back. So can you. <laughs> yeah, he so, became a porn star after that. I mean, I, geez, there's hope for everyone. <laughs> so here, here's a story question, though, for a minute here. So when Hardigan does show up at the farm, uh, Kevin's there, but Kevin doesn't interfere at all. Why do you think that is? Because Kevin works for the other Rourke. He doesn't work for Senator Rourke. He works for a Cardinal Rourke. But he's it's the not, same location, though. He's not going to, like, protect his property area. The farm's pretty big. He has a no interest in fighting with the the brat, with that yellow bastard. Okay. So that works for me. That, <laughs> that works for an explanation for me. Let's talk about Kevin, which has got to be Elijah Wood's creepiest character to date. <laughs> Man, yeah, like, I was so floored when I first saw him. What yeah. a fun, like, acting out of type. You know, I, silent, fast, deadly, got crazy, lady death strike nails. And a Charlie Brown sweater. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird character. Um, it's certainly incredibly creepy. The idea that we never hear him talk, you know, mm -hmm. is, is really very interesting. And I'm sure a hard sell for an actor you know uh to be like hey you want to be in this movie where they won't really see your face and you can't talk uh, well that's very suspicious for a lot of actors because once they find out they don't have any lines they're like oh, i'm getting cut <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um but it's a cool character and i think the visuals for it are great like the glasses where, where they're mirrored over and, and everything like that i just think he looks really cool and when marv is is killing him you know leaving him to the wolf or the dog um and he, he just stares the penetrating stare into the distance is like just really intense and very it's cool. unsettling yeah he does a great job i mean yeah, i mean he's a he's a fine character i mean <laughs> it's he's a little weird for me because he's they're showing how good he is at what he does and you know how uh, quiet he is and how skilled of a fighter he is and everything else. Um, and then like Marv can just beat him up because he decides he wants to, he grabbed him and that made all the difference. It's like, okay. I mean, I guess, uh, why did he, <laughs> why did he leave the other girl alive after eating 10 other girls? Is it, was it because he knew that Marv was going to knew this girl and that they could escape together. And that would set up the whole, you know what I mean? Like, honestly, Go ahead, Sorry. Derek. I was, I was going to say, he, left, he leaves her alive because he doesn't kill them and then eat them. He eats them as he's killing them. Like, it's a process, right? And so, like... They're good was, for weeks. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, basically, because it's not... Don't, it is, like, he is a cannibal and he is going to eat them, but there's more to it than that. And a lot of it is that power trip, right? I mean, it's even... That's another part of the Hardigan storyline, too. It's all about the power trip. And so it's not as simple as I'm going to cut your head off and then eat you, right? It has to be much more than that. I have to make you watch, right? Like that's the whole thing is that he makes her watch him do it. It's, it's all a process. Why it's does that. he fall for, why is it, why if he's so smart, does he fall for a uh, jacket hanging on a stick in the middle of the woods? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it was just, I don't know. It, it, there was like the character was what they needed him to, him to be. That was one of my problems with this whole movie was that nothing was consistent and everything was just whatever it needed to be at the time for the movie to make a whatever little sense it made, in my opinion. And that starts right at the very beginning and it, it bothered me the whole movie. That was always my issue with Brittany Murphy's character because she really wants Dwight to beat the shit out of Jackie Boy, but then she stops him when he goes after him. So, Shelly. Shelly's her name. That's it. You know, like I get that she doesn't want him to die, but at the same time, her motives seem to be a little flip floppy. Yeah. I mean, I took that as her wanting to, 
be protected from del toro's character uh jackie um but like you said not actually have him killed because at the end of the day he is a cop and that would cause a lot of other issues and she's not a bad person from anything we can tell right and so i think she just wants to be safe from him yeah you know any characters you know side what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission at u.s customs and border protection we go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore air to ground cities to local communities cbp agents and officers are keeping people safe join u.s customs and border protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself learn more at cbp.gov careers characters that you did like ryan that we haven't talked about i mean rosario dawson's character was good I, most of the women in that storyline like I said, that that if they had pushed further into that, I feel like I would have enjoyed the movie a lot more. But um, that that was most of the side characters that I liked or had any kind of caring for. Um, everybody else I found to be, you know, on a level of don't care to grading, depending on That's who it was. I like seeing Michael Clark Duncan. You know, um, I've always the cast was great. I thought he was good. I thought he he fulfilled the role well, right? He's basically the big enforcer guy. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, because of his physical stature and his booming voice is something that he can pull off fairly well. Um, thought his eye was super creepy. <laughs> um, but I liked his character as far as like side characters go. Cool. What'd you guys think of Miho? Miho was the sword wielding assassin from the women yes yes again i the women characters in the in in that last segment were uh some of my favorite characters and i thought she was great yeah they're all really cool i think they could have done like ryan kind of said at the beginning an entire film on on uh on old town it's kind of like john wick for me where you know you have this uh, whole underground assassin hotel thing and that was like the coolest part of the movie Mm-hmm. So I want to know more about that. And none of the movies really, well, so I guess they kind of started focusing on it more in later John Wick movies. But this movie, the most interesting part to me was that whole like society that the cops leave alone and they, you know, do what they want and it's all women. And, uh, you know, that was the most interesting part to me. So. She's also like the only one that lives in uh, Old Town who's not a prostitute. She's just there to be an enforcer. Oh, Miho is? Yeah. And that's not explained in the movie, but uh, in the comic book it is. She's Mm. just a mute female assassin. Interesting. Yeah, I I think that whole thing could be a a really cool film, right? How did they get their kind of independence and why, what led to that, I think would be really interesting. And, um, you know, there could be some cool stories there because those characters definitely seem to be the most interesting. Because the men are all, I think, very one-note stereotypical characters, right? Yeah. You know, Marv is the big brood, and uh, Hardigan is the uh, the old cop who's ready to retire. You know, <laughs> and and then yeah, you, you know, Stahl is the uh, uh, Rourke Jr. is the the pedophile, and he's just a really terrible one. Um, none of the guys really have much more to them. I mean, Dwight, I guess, Clive Owen's character. Uh, has the most like i guess flexibility um well he's the one with like the weird background you don't hear about he keeps talking about how he's had facial reconstruction surgery to hide what he's done in the past and he goes through it again in the second movie and in the comics so it's like he has a cool backstory that we're not getting (laughs) Yeah, and so that like that's what kind of piques his interest, and he has a, a really close tie with uh, Rosario Dawson's character, Gail, and so the the whole old town thing. He knows the rules, he gets how it goes. So he could have even been part of a story that focused on that, which I think mm-hmm. would have been interesting. Oh um, yeah, definitely. You know, I I I do I do kind of enjoy the conversations that Dwight has with Jackie after Jackie's dead in the car. I think are interesting, yeah. and there's some some good del toro moments in there uh because it's just kind of 
you know, Dwight going crazy. As unpleasant as Jack is, that scene is pretty cool, especially like he acts the hell out of it with his head back and forth and changing his voice. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's really good. I really like that a lot. Um, what what other f- just small personal thing is I love the cars in this movie. I think they're all gorgeous. Uh, kind of goes back to the cinematography I was talking about at the beginning. But um, yeah, I never really want a Thunderbird, a T-Bird until I see these movies. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. Yeah, I'll take one. <laughs> see, I, I thought the same thing. I like I liked the cars in this movie, but I hated how these are the shitty cars in this world, apparently, because every one of them they refer to as like a rust bucket or a pile of junk or a bucket of bolts or whatever. It's like, these are clearly not that. So and they're all gorgeous. <laughs> it's Yeah. I, I guess that part was consistent that all the nice cars they call pieces of junk or whatever. Yeah. The aesthetic in the movie is very strange, right? The whole, the whole aesthetic is, is certainly odd. Um, and kind of like the power levels of things are a little odd you know like some of the guns will knock a guy back 20 feet you know for example um which isn't particularly realistic but it kind of fits with the tone of the film i don't know does it i mean i for that if we're going to get into that then that's right away where it threw me off in the beginning and i started losing interest is bruce willis shoots a couple of uh characters and they fly back and then his gun turns into a cannon that instead of knocking people 10 feet back the same gun just blasts a hand completely off into smithereens uh or you know and and then he gets shot by a gun that's incredibly similar and it does barely any damage to him and he's just able to stand there and he gets shot like seven times and survives and you know marv can dive through the front of a, a car that's going 40 miles an hour and kill two cops and just come out with some scratches uh you know and but then some other guys get punched in the face and die by him. And it's like, there, there's no consistency to anything. And it makes me, it makes it hard to care about any conflict in that universe when everything is uh, as overpowered or underpowered as they, as anybody needs it to be. I think that that was very irritating to me throughout the whole movie. It was that way. I always kind of wrote that off as an ode to the old movies where everything was conveniently there, like especially Bond movies, you know, he conveniently gets out of everything and this same weapon is the like different all across the board. So I I just kind of chalked it up to that. But yeah, going back, watching it now, like, yeah, I noticed that too. And I was, I was a little more bothered than I was in 2005. I yeah. think you hear how Derek thinks that that fits the tone of the movie. No, I, I understand. Exa- like the, the fact that it's inconsistent is the problem. Like if it had all just been overpowered ridiculousness throughout the whole film, I wouldn't have any problem with that because that would just be one of the gimmicks of the movie, but you're right. It, it's all over the place. And Hardigan getting shot so many times and essentially point blank range. And then like being fine is a little silly. Now, yeah, the the rich guy Rourke pays for all of the surgeries and yada yada yada. But the fact that he didn't bleed out before he made it to a hospital is just not realistic. Right, right? and that's something I didn't even mention was uh, he had a heart condition. He was basically getting ready to die. He was taking pills to keep him alive through this whole thing, and then he gets shot like five times and still manages to live. You know, yeah. and what about the scene where Marv gets hit by this speeding car three times, thrown up into the air every time? well marv is consistent though because he he gets shot he gets run over he goes through a windshield he gets electrocuted and he still like pushes on so it's consistent within his character that he's just like near but why i mean it's just part of who he is he's this big brute hulking guy i mean there's a lot of big brute hulking guys that they show and you know none of them can take that much damage some of them get put down with one bullet you know to the body so uh, that I don't know. It's it's, it's clearly he, if they were all shown to be superheroes that had a consistent set of powers, essentially, right? Like he's the Hulk. He's near unkillable and super strong. Then that's fine. But you know, if you have another Hulk that's not unkillable, like you have Abomination and Hulk in the Incredible Hulk movie, right? They have same same power sets, but then one is way more vulnerable than the other for no apparent reason. And that doesn't make any sense to me. 
I mean, that's fair. I'm not saying you're wrong or anything like that. I, Marv just didn't bother me. Hardigan bothered me, and some of the other ones did, but Marv's just didn't. I was hoping that with Marv they were going to – because, you know, he's taking these pills to to level out or to take care of his whatever psychosis or whatever whatever diagnosed medical condition he has, mental health condition, and that he would be doing things that, like, a lot at the end, it was shown that he was doing, like, pretty shitty things, you know – that he just didn't know he was doing. He thought he was doing the right thing. And they didn't really play that angle up as much as I hoped they would. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things they could have done to try and be clever. Right. And, and show that maybe some of this stuff was in his head and wasn't real. Um, and he was fabricating that reality, but you're right. They don't go that route. The problem is so much in the comics is explained as being like supernatural, like in, Miller's explanation, Miho and Kevin are actually, you know, demons. Miho's the good one, Kevin's the evil one. And Marv is kind of in between the two of them. He's this, you know, supernatural, can live through everything kind of guy. But that's not explained in the movie for any of them. So all of a sudden they can do all these things and uh, they have all these inconsistencies in their strength and um i guess yeah thank you yeah thank you uh so it just gets lost in the mix and kind of takes you out of it and then you know you get to the end to derek's point earlier about how that part took him out of the movie you know you get to the end and then this big yellow thing shows up and like smells bad and yeah is a pedophile and whatever like i don't know i just I, I I had a lot of trouble with that. It was just so weird and, like you were saying, inconsistent with the rest of the movie. It's just the consistency. And also, Frank Miller is a much better graphic novel writer than he... Th- that dialogue does not translate well. And from what I understand, the dialogue in this movie was very much, like, almost word for word out of the graphic novel. Uh, the yeah. narration and things like that. And it just does not translate well to live action in my opinion i mean did you guys just... ever see the spirit i did not i avoided gabriel mocked I, d- I did okay so frank miller like three or four years after this goes and directs a film on his own in the exact same style that this was the only thing that was in color was the spirit's red tie and it was it's so bad it is so bad. Like, and Frank Miller stopped directing. <laughs> he was done. So he knows his place now, guys. Thank God. Right? <laughs> also, uh, something I haven't touched on. Derek, you liked this part of the movie. I did not. I think you mentioned it. Maybe it was Rachel. One of you guys said that you liked uh, Bruce Willis kind of being this over, you know, I don't know. He, he, he was overacting everything. And yes. And I get that that's supposed to be a character thing, but it made I didn't really buy it for any of the characters in this movie, and not any of the main characters anyway. And it, I I know that's like a noir thing, but I would buy it in a noir in other noir movies, and this one I did not really buy it because it didn't seem genuine. I guess to me, I don't know. It was it, it seemed like Bruce Willis was trying to do an you know, over the top noir performance. And it wasn't really landing. Hmm. I don't know. It did not sit well with me. And it wasn't just him, but he was definitely the biggest culprit. And I like when Bruce Willis overacts. There's this one scene in The Fifth Element where he gets knocked in the back of the head with a trophy or something that's in his hotel, or in his house, and he overacts that that knockout so much. And it's my favorite part of that whole movie. But that was like him not that it wasn't him trying to overact that was just how he thought the character would act and in this one it, it just like so I like that usually but in this he was trying to overact and it didn't work for me I don't know right that's I mean that's fair it's subjective his character didn't bother me um but his partner could, too like that, yeah that Michael Madsen's character always bothers just me gra- he was when I was talking about grading earlier his character was grading to me there was nothing redeemable about the character I did not no. like him at all fair enough nope. fair enough I know that that kind of that what you were talking about for Bruce Willis's character and stuff that, that part didn't really get to me I kind of just took it as them kind of poking fun at the noir genre a bit you know, I mean, this this movie doesn't have any big grandiose statements, but I do think it, it knows what it is 
and is kind of pushing that envelope of, of making fun of itself a little bit in a lot of these ways. You know, some of those lines that are being delivered, they know what they're saying and they know that it, may, it might have been cool in a comic book, but there's just no way to deliver it and have it not sound cheesy. Yeah. I don't know. The whole movie just kind of came across as something that, that just was made just to be edgy. And maybe that's the way the graphic novel was too. But I mean, it, there, was, there wasn't much substance in it for me. And I don't need every movie to have substance. The visuals uh, were the biggest redeeming quality for the movie for me and made it so that I don't regret watching it or anything. But um, there, there just really wasn't any substance, in my opinion, in, the, in most of the movie. Fair enough. Well, Ray, what else would you like to touch on in this one? Anything else? No. I, I feel I feel like I crapped all over this and no. you guys are just like I ruined it. I ruined the podcast for you because I just No, not even a little. So like rewatching it was kind of eye-opening for me because I forgot that the F words in it and I absolutely hate that word so much now that like it, it totally took me out of it. Made me hate Becky's character even more. Um I still like even though it ends open-ended like the salesman and the client in the first one obviously he's a hitman and marley shelton obviously paid him to kill her but in the last one i always wonder like who paid him to kill becky and i never find out that is it not me. gail i mean i would imagine it's probably gail but still like what she doesn't seem like she uh has any trouble killing so figured she would just walk into her home and do it but well i assume becky like disappears right after that whole massacre in the alley and gail just wants to make sure she's dead well she goes to a hospital and you know the salesman finds her in the elevator yeah so i, I mean that's got to be right after that fight you know like she has a broken arm well, it could have been a couple of days. I mean, Maybe. I imagine she got far away because that certainly doesn't look like, you know, she stayed around, you know? No, it doesn't look like she stayed around. I just don't know how she would have escaped without somebody noticing considering they were all perched on a ledge and she went and hid in a drain. I, maybe it went down to the sewers or she stayed still until they left. I mean, I, I have no idea, right? Yeah. But I just assumed Gail wanted her dead. Yeah, that's fair. Um, there are some nice boobs in this movie. Not enough <laughs> dong. There are a lot of attractive women in this movie. Listen, you got that. a lot of dong in Watchmen. Which no, is I didn't. Similar I got stylized. Dong that was edited later on. Okay. Well, I mean, just enjoy enjoy the memories. You got at least like ten boobs in this. Ten. I'm pretty sure like, you, at, you at least get Jamie King's and Carla Gugino's, but that's, in the background... I'm not a mathematician, but I'm pretty no, sure it's only like four, four at I most. Get that. But in the background of Old Town and uh, the strip club, Katie's, there's their boobs. I wasn't, I didn't even notice, to be honest with you, that those particular <laughs> scenes. So I counted four at maximum. <laughs> I never counted. <laughs> Of course you didn't. But we can watch it again. <laughs> Rachel just said she doesn't really want to watch it again. So. <laughs> Maybe if there was more dong, Rachel would be interested. Yeah, I want even boobs to dong ratio. Well, go watch Future Man, Rachel. It's on <laughs> It's on a Hulu. There's a ton of dong in that movie. And some of it is really huge. Is so, it Josh Hutcherson's? Like, does he yeah, go? Uh, kind of a spoiler. Oh! So I'm not going to say anything, but there... <laughs> Lark's penis. It's it's a weird. I I could say yes and no, even though. <laughs> never mind. You have to watch. That's it. hilarious. I love that show, but there's so much dong in it. Complicated shit here. Yes. Okay. Um. So so next week, we Wait, are before we go on to this. Okay. What happened to Josh Hartnett? Like in real life, he retired. So he he quit acting for a while and then he came back just for penny dreadful he regrets not taking some roles he was originally up to play loki 
which would have been a much different Loki. It would have been like this dark, brooding, quiet one. It was just weird. It was kind of jarring seeing him in this movie because the movie doesn't really feel dated. Right. But seeing him feels dated because yeah. I don't see him anymore. So that was the only hint, if I didn't know, that this was from 2005 instead of, you know. Well, you know, Michael or... Clark Duncan has been passed. Well, for... that too, yeah. yeah. But I mean, see, but seeing him is, he, he hasn't acted in forever in anything I've seen, so. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Okay, now you can move on, Derek. Okay. I just wanted to address that. So uh, next week, we are doing our 199th episode, and we are returning to bad movie reviews. Ray, do you want to tell us a bit about the movie you picked? Did I? Yeah, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, my God. Okay, so. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen it. Any, Any version of it. Alan Moore wrote a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen comic. It's about uh literary characters from the victorian era all meeting up and solving worldwide issues and it's it's a bad film (laughs) (laughs) um it did not translate well from the comics it completely kind of threw out the comics personally I'm just not a huge alan moore fan and I know that is big comic uh blasphemy but i'm i'm just not so i read the comics i didn't really like it there's a very intense and brutal rape scene in there it just uh it still haunts me and the the movie is a poorly written yet fun popcorn film like when you guys watch it don't go into it thinking it's like you're gonna get a lot out of it you're not (laughs) i've seen it but it's been since the movie came out i it's been a long time so well i wanted to pick it because this movie is so bad that sean connery quit acting afterwards (laughs) (laughs) what is that even like he's been in some stinkers so that's that's saying a lot it absolutely has like (laughs) yeah Okie dokie. It's it's widely considered one of the worst comic book adaptations ever made, and it it's just not good, guys. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to uh, discuss this week before we sign off? I don't think so. I'm good. All right. Well, we, of course, are the Screen Heroes Podcast. You can find us at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter or HeroesPodcasts.com. We also have a new Facebook group. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash Screen Heroes. You can come and talk to us about movies and TV out there. We're also doing a big voting tournament for the MCU. We've had two two matchups going on votes. We uh, put a new matchup up every you know, 48 hours or so. So come and join us in the group so you can vote. And like I said, we will be back next week to talk about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And then it's our 200th episode, which is pretty exciting. Woo! Woo! Um, Ray, where can people find you? Siren Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But also mostly in her house. She doesn't leave very <laughs> Don't. Long. Well, no, not during quarantine. Right, but uh, don't, don't visit her at her house. Don't come to my house. We don't house. want that, I especially don't... during quarantine. Right? Like you what should are be you in your house. Even otherwise, no. <laughs> uh, Ryan, how can people find you? Uh, I'd prefer you didn't, but if you feel the need to, uh, you, you can find my work at Muster Props on Facebook and Instagram. I don't really post anything lately. I almost thought you were going to say your muggle job for a second there. I was like, no, no. don't do that. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Uh, and then also I'm in the Facebook Screen Heroes group where I like to argue with people and tell them how wrong they are about movies. Oh, because they're so wrong. Most of the time, yeah. Right? <laughs> Rachel's enough. in there too. I she'll am. tell you you're wrong sometimes. Just yeah. don't argue with her much because then she'll stop. <laughs> She, she knows how to stop some of us don't but she does like i'm precious i need a day off so if i fight with you on monday you'll hear from me again on thursday i need recovery that's fair 
All right. Well, I am the Star Trek dude on Twitter and Facebook. You can also find me on the Red Shirts and Runabouts podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network if Star Trek is your thing. We uh, just wrapped up Star Trek Picard season one. So you can go and check out that episode. We are Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us. We will catch you next week. Don't forget to join us live Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central streaming in our Facebook group. Have a good week, everybody. Woo! With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.